0: Up next on NHL Fantasy on Ice, the fellas set you up for the week ahead. Waiver wire ads, goalie advice, and storylines galore. The stretch run is here, and only the thoroughbreds will prevail. Ring it. How's it going, everybody? Monday morning, Jensen and Reese, Fantasy on Ice. Really excited to bring you this, I guess we could call it a playoff preview type thing, right? The fantasy playoffs are already here in some leagues, Rob.
1: Exactly, Pete. It's a great time of year. If you made the playoffs, if you didn't, you know, better luck next year. But for those that did or have a final push this week, Pete, I think we should kick it off with some fan questions. So, Why don't we start with a huge one? We know that Kayler Yamamoto looks like he's coming back very, very soon from a lower body injury. He's been one of the best players for the Oilers and in fantasy hockey since January 1st. So if you're looking to activate Yamamoto,
0: what kind of player are you dropping? Well, first of all, Yamamoto has made a night and day difference with that team. You always think about the Oilers, right, and being driven largely by McDavid and Drysaddle. Drysaddle already a 100-plus point player this year. Yamamoto has made the, taking them to a different level this year when he's healthy. So, I guess regardless across the board, you got to get this player in your lineup. If he's out there on the waiver wire, he's what 21 points right, in 21 right. games. So, um, really has made a stellar difference for this team. Um, I think that if you're if you're trying to drop somebody to pick this guy up, make sure he doesn't cover those key categories like hits. Okay. If you're in a hits league, right? Uh-huh. Don't drop like a Vincent Trocheck or an Anders Lee for a player like uh, like that. Try to find somebody else. Drop your fourth goalie or drop your uh, you know a skater that maybe doesn't cover the peripherals.
1: I, I agree with that logic for sure. The hits category, Pete, is such an easy one to win if you have three or four players that hit, right. and that's one of the safest options to keep advancing in the playoffs. I know that this is kind of obscure, but Yamamoto is a points-only guy. He really is. So, like you have, you really do have to look at your categories, see where your players rank, and then decide from there. Now, one one quick stat here with Kaylor Yamamoto in the lineup. They're 13-5-3 with a six nine zero. That's almost a 70% winning percentage, scoring over three goals a game. Without Yamamoto, their winning percentage is just about 500, and they're scoring less than three goals a game, 2.77.
0: They're scoring more than a goal per game more. In yeah. with him in the lineup, so uh, yeah, he has been their most valuable secondary scorer, and that's on a team that has been had gotten big contributions from like R and H at different points, right? Like especially since the trade deadline, uh, you know, Cassian before his suspension was really producing well. Well, you just brought up Cassian; he's a
1: wonderful ad, and he played 18 minutes in his first game back from suspension, and he had a couple hits in that one. Now, I didn't have a point, Pete, but mm-hmm. I think that's a player that's very, very safe to pick up for your fantasy playoffs. And his ownership is down to 15% now. I just checked beforehand. Wow. So everybody cut the cord there with Cassian. I think that's a slam dunk player to pick up for both a couple points and a lot of hits.
0: One guy that we haven't talked about very much, but he has played the first, what, three games of his Oilers tenure with McDavid is Tyler Ennis. Mm-hmm. Is this a guy that you're looking at at all on the no. waiver wire? You'd rather pick up not Cassian all. even if he's not playing with McDavid? Yeah, if, if I was to rank them, I'd say yeah, Yamamoto 1, Cassian
1: 2, Athanasiu 3, and then Ennis, you know, four. I mean if you're in a super deep league, I like I like it, but uh, otherwise I wouldn't go near it. And I looked at his ice time and it's coming down. So, I think as the other players get healthy, Ennis is going to get less and less valuable. Now, great addition for the team in general. Come playoff time for them for sure, but fantasy-wise, I, I would put him on the back burner.
0: And Athanasiu, we were he- we were hyped up about as well and he what he was banged up last week but then he came back so uh, it looks like the Oilers once they get Yamamoto back will have a full top nine forward group to work with and they can really get back to that one strong line and then see what works well with McDavid Uh, they had a big win uh, over the weekend against the Winnipeg Jets those are those measuring stick type games that you need to win very gutsy performance there now Ziggy Bombadil asks us on Twitter: I have Fleury,
1: Jari, Murray all struggling heading into the playoffs. Should I drop either Kovalchuk or Cor- or Charlie Coyle to pick up Staylock?
0: I I would drop Coyle. I mean I know what Coyle's playing with DeBrusque right now because they mm-hmm. do Kasha with Krejci and then DeBrusque with Coyle. But I'm not seeing much real. I'm not seeing much fantasy value in Charlie Coyle. How about the Minnesota Wild? I know they lost what on Sunday, but they. They've had some big performances. The one that comes to mind is when they walked into Columbus and won mm-hmm. five nothing. And they're right there in the th- right there ahead of the Blackhawks. I think last I checked. So uh, that is a team that has some fantasy appeal, even if it's like against the grain, deep league. Like Fiala's been one of the most valuable players. Four straight multi-point mm-hmm. games, and then yeah, Stalock has won some games recently as well. I mean, you don't really look at that team with a ton of fantasy confidence, but. Where they are in the standings, they they have no pressure on them because they kind of sold at the deadline. So, uh, kind of tip your cap to that team and just ride Staylock as a streaming option. I think.
1: I think it's funny because I, I, as much as you know, they have been playing well. I mean, they're a playoff team since January fifteenth. If you look at it that way, right, right. Um, But for whatever reason, I just never buy in on this team. I do have Fiala mm-hmm. in a couple leagues, which is great. That's but good. otherwise, like it's just I don't trust the team. I really don't. Like I know that they're they're in the playoff hunt. But for whatever reason, like time and time again, I, I always fade the wild. So for me, I would not pick up Salok. I really think if you have Flurry, Jari, and Murray, I mean, I, you know, I would try and drop Charlie Coyle for another forward. I would try and drop him for a Yamamoto or for a Cassian. I, I'd look to get a little bit more category coverage at the forward position because I think the Pens. I mean, this happens in the Metro every single year for the past five to ten years. Like, there's a fight for second and third. There's never really a fight for first. It, it, it works. It always works out that way so I think with the Pittsburgh Penguins I think they should finish second in the division and get that home ice they have 14 remaining games against Metro opponents um, in their final 16 which is crazy so I think they're positioned nicely to kind of bounce back I know they went on a kind of tough Cali road trip but as we know Pete that's not an easy road trip no matter if the teams are good or not so
0: no, and I think on, uh, what, Saturday night? When, when did the Penguins play the Sharks? I mean, that is, that's a perfect example of a team that's out of it having zero pressure, zero to play for, but some pride on the line. And you have to look at that around the league, especially for wagering purposes. There are going to be a lot of spoiler teams. We saw it also on Saturday uh, when the Blackhawks beat the Florida Panthers. Mm-hmm. The Florida Panthers had everything to play for An absolutely dominant overtime. They couldn't score. And then, you know, Taves and Kane finished them off. I mean, some of these teams have a lot of offense, and they can and will play spoiler any given night.
1: Yeah, so so I guess to, to reiterate, I, I'd probably ride that. That tandem, I, I've, I would feel personally, I would feel good if I had Flurry in the Pens tandem right now, mm-hmm. like for the final two or three weeks. I wouldn't really be worried about my goalies. Right. Like on the other hand, if you have a guy like Demko or Gorgiev or, you know, kind of yeah. in that second tier peak, that's when I would start to worry and maybe look to pick up a stay lock just to say, hey, you know, uh, they might finish better. Then the Demkos, then the Gorgias, especially with Shesterkin possibly returning in the next week or two, and then Demko probably two or three weeks out.
0: Sure. If you have the Penguins' tandem, if you have even Arizona's tandem, I would hang tough with them. I mean, once you start – the Ranger one is interesting because clearly if you have Shesterkin and Gorgiev, stand pat. Mm -hmm. But when you get any further down the list in the tandems, that's where you have to kind of abort the plan and Mm -hmm. uh, just – fend for yourself on the waiver wire and try to pick a... I mean, like Vancouver right now, that was a big... I mean, whether you call it a choke job or whatever (laughs) happened, like they blew a 3-1 lead with eight minutes to go against Columbus, and Columbus is without probably their four best players right now. So they need to go back to the drawing board, and that's not a team that without Jacob Markstrom you can fully trust, unfortunately. They had Domingue in net on Mm -hmm. Sunday. Demko had a couple of losses this past week. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. you you were high on this team all along. Do you think they can survive Markstrom's absence for another three weeks, let's say? Well, a couple episodes ago I said, look, this is a
1: real problem for them, the Markstrom mm-hmm. injury, because they have played a lot of those games, like the Columbus game this weekend, where where they really should they deserve to lose. But then Markstrom will come out with a huge stop in either late in the second or early in the third period that kind of keeps momentum in their sphere. So True. without him, like you're not going to get that save from Demko, unfortunately. He's he's a young netminder seeing this time and time again minders are taking a lot longer to develop now I don't think it's a shot to Demko it's not like he he, I think he'll be all right for them but Markstrom's clearly the guy there and without him they are gonna struggle I think to to keep a wild card spot
0: for sure they should still get in I do believe that but um, it might get a little dicey here down the stretch for Vancouver Markstrom isn't the only big injury here there have been a number of huge forward injuries over the past three or four days ranging from Steven Stamkos to Mark Stone, Patrick Lyonnais more mm-hmm. on the day-to-day side, but he missed their game over the weekend. And even someone in deeper leagues like Burakovsky yeah. in and out of the lineup every single day. So... Let's start with Stamkos. I mean, Andre Pallad, I think, is the obvious ad here. I picked him up in one league last night.
1: And he hits, which is awesome. Like he that, that's another player, great position left wing, hits, checks that box, also gets some goals, some shots, pretty consistently. Like he's a player you really could have hung on to all year and made a case for that. Like any given week he's gonna have a good game. So Always, always, always Tampa has a favorable playoff schedule, which gives Pilat our stamp of approval.
0: Yeah, second most favorable schedule based on strength of schedule Update from the NHL stats crew. It's available on NHL.com slash fantasy. Go and check it out and use that to break your ties. Look at the home road splits. Look at the games remaining and look at the opponent uh, points percentage. Absolutely.
1: And we saw Sergeyev had a huge weekend for them too. On an underrated little like whether you can call it a second power play unit or first depending on the day, whatever Coach Cooper's (laughs) feeling. But nice to see that the secondary guys are coming on, are activating in lieu of Stamkos being out. So good storyline to keep an eye on and again and if you're looking for a deeper guy than even Palat Pete I wouldn't hesitate to add one of those like secondary or even like third tier guys for Tampa just because of the schedule alone
0: what do you think about Yanni Gord I know somebody was thinking about picking that guy up I mean at the surface he hasn't really been in our top 200 rankings this week but uh-huh. based on the case you just made you want to tap into that team even without Stamkos even with their flaws and things that go wrong on a given night I mean it's a very safe team
1: I think there's two types of people at this time of year the type of person that that feels comfortable playing the schedule and then the type of person that cherry-picks players on bad teams that are going to play a lot of minutes. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at a Yanni Gord maybe versus like an Alex Alafalo or someone like on that level, like yeah. on a bad team. I, I, I tend to side a little bit more with the high upside guy on a bad team because it's all about ice time for me. Yanni Gord, though, I mean, he, he's proven that he can play. And he can play north of 15 minutes if needed and and chip in some goals and assists. So I like that play. I would side with you if you were the the type one person there. Uh, I'm a little bit more trying to hit on the high upside and win the league that way. But it does come with a lot higher risk too, especially in plus minus.
0: So you are uh, the defenseman expert over here. So... Good fan question from Mark. Who would you start this week, Sam Gerard or Rasmus Dahlin? I think that fits the same bill as what you were talking about. Dahlin, higher end player for a much worse team. And Gerard is on James's top 10 waiver wire list this week after a big week. Well, Gerard's a little streaky, so he's going to have those big
1: games and then he'll drop off. I mean, we saw Eric Johnson have a nice couple points over the weekend too, yeah. so that's what concerns me about the Avs on the Sabers end. We know Olsen's a little banged up. They did not give an update on him. That's another potential that's tough, big-time yeah. fantasy injury, so keep an eye on that. We'll obviously get the news when we have it, but haven't heard yet. So I would still side Dalene. I just don't think you can part ways with that super, super elite skill. I know Gerard's on a much better team night and day than the Sabres, but still... I'm always going to take the better player, which would
0: be daleen Okay. And uh, what do you make of the Carolina Hurricanes' struggles? Because we got a couple questions about Vincent Trocek, yeah. people trying to pull the plug already. That kind of files into the thing where, yeah, with hits and stuff, like be a little more patient. Sometimes these things, after a trade, they don't materialize right before your eyes. It might take three to five games, but is it worth that wait? Like is it worth... <laughs> Uh, sacrificing three to five games just to get maybe a couple of big games out of Trocek?
1: I think you should... If, if there's another intriguing player available, I'd be very tempted to to cut the core with Trochek. I mean, look, we were big fans of the trade for sure. I think that's more of like a general hockey thing than fantasy. Yeah. When you look at the wings on Carolina, I mean, you're looking at guys like Martin Nietzsche and Nino Niederreiter who he's been playing with. And, like, that's just not going to get it done. He, yeah, he's going to need surefire wings. And even if he bumped up to the second line, it'd be Warren Fogel, who I have no interest in, and Justin <laughs> Williams. I mean, like there's no, absolutely no appeal. So sometimes these wings at the deadline will have a much bigger impact. Like Athanasiu, for example, I'd, I'd be willing to be patient on him. But a center's got too much responsibility out there, especially with wings that are unproven. So I would look at other guys and say yeah, I'd be willing to cut the court on Vinny
0: And look at Vinny his role right now. He's not only getting adjusted to a new team. he's has the high, the high center face off load. The team has both of its goalies injured, so they need his help on defense. Like, And the team's struggling right now. Carolina can't win a game, it seems. So it's like that's his primary responsibility is to have the back end covered and maybe the offense, at least in the short term, is not on the top of the to-do list for Carolina, you know? I mean, who would have thought – Peter Maraza coming back would be like a godsend, right? I mean, he's been so poor and like,
1: let alone, like they're hoping and praying he comes back. So uh, with that said, Pete, I know we got a couple questions on this Alex Nedeljkovic goalie for the Canes who's had a pretty couple tough outings here. Um, What are your thoughts on him with with a decent home schedule this week coming up?
0: Yeah, I know they have a couple of uh, favorable, winnable games. I mean, it's kind of like I wouldn't put him into the top 200 overall just yet. I think if any goalie's going to move into that conversation, maybe it'll be like a Stalock or even, I don't know, a Pecorine. Like, mm-hmm. I would rather have those guys, uh, even though Nashville is in a split right now and they're not playing particularly well. I would still lean toward those more proven guys on proven teams. I don't know if Carolina is going to make the playoffs. Uh, I really don't. And And, like you said, like they're waiting for. Um, Mrazek to come back but they're probably not going to get Dougie Hamilton back and without Dougie Hamilton I can't say with confidence that that team's going to make it into uh, mid-April.
1: I agree wholeheartedly there now this is just the problem with the goalie position this year you and I do the top 25 goalies on Mm -hmm. NHL.com every week and we struggle to get guys in even at the end of the top 25 okay so when okay. you do the math, like that's not even a goalie per team that you can pick up. Like You're looking <laughs> at a very small pool of right. players that are going to make a difference in fantasy. So the fact that we're splitting hairs here about Nedeljkovic, about Staloc, I think that says everything you need to know about this position in fantasy right now.
0: And look at what we were doing on Friday, right? Uh, Georgiev won Thursday night against the Canadians. We were pumping his tires. Oh, Lonquist doesn't play anymore. Then he had a stinker on Friday. The Flyers ended up owning the weekend, which I think we were both pretty shocked Mm -hmm. at that they won both of those games against the Rangers and they beat Lundqvist on Sunday. But on Friday, like we were looking at Georgiev and we were looking at like the guys from like 16, 17, 18 through 25. Meanwhile, Thursday night, Georgiev wasn't even in the top 25 in general. And we were looking at all those guys like we'd rather have Georgiev than all these guys. Mm -hmm pretty much up until I think François is where we drew the line. And then look two, three days later, and it's uh, thrown right back in our face, right? Well, with
1: the Chris Kreider injury, he got injured two minutes into the game against the Flyers, basically. Well, in the first period. I mean, yeah, yeah. It, it happened quickly. Right. And it after he got injured, you could just tell, like they had no secondary juice on that team. So... That's what I worry a little bit now with Gorgiev. I still think he's a good pickup if he's available. I think the Rangers are still gonna put up a fight. And, and Pete, we've seen this how many times this year where the Rangers will rattle off, you know, three or four great games and then they'll yeah. lay three or four eggs. So <laughs> don't be don't be completely off put by that. Like I'd be more concerned about Demko right now than Gorgiev. I still think Gorgiev's got a lot of appeal. Even when Shesty comes back, they will ride him, but Gorgiev's gonna get probably some favorable matchups too, which could be, you know, if you get one a week, two a week from Gorgiev, like that's gonna be pretty good for
0: the playoffs it's good to see Shesterkin was has been out on the ice practicing a little bit I know he's been taking some shots over the weekend not so much shots up high but at least it's some progress David Quinn was talking about how Shesterkin has come a very long way in the one week that has separated that accident from Mm. where we are today I mean right it's Monday morning that news from the accident happened on the trade deadline day so the fact that he could come back soon whether you own him as a standalone like we do in our main joint league or you're kind of like looking at the tandem situation that's a breath of fresh air to the rangers Mm -hmm. and i do believe like i would favor the rangers right now over florida i would favor the rangers over columbus i would favor the rangers over carolina right Mm -hmm. now what about the islanders uh, I mean, that was one of the worst games I've watched all season, <laughs> the game against Boston uh-huh. of any team. Yeah. It was like the first goal went in, for, and it was kind of uh,
1: i mean, their power play is horrible. Fl-
0: fluky-ish thing with a collision that, you know, it maybe shouldn't have counted, but it did, and it was like a backbreaker. The The Islanders hadn't beaten Boston in, since 2013 at home, I mm-hmm. saw, and it was like – I don't know. It's almost like when – they have some resiliency, but I just – I don't know. something's missing still from that team I still favor the Rangers over the Islanders they don't play anymore Mm -hmm. against each other but the Rangers could make up that ground even without Kreider yeah
1: even without Kreider they have a lot higher upside in fantasy Mm -hmm. like I'd be way more tempted to pick up like a Buchnevich than anybody on the Islanders right now they just don't have a power play so
0: and he came back so now like for Buchnevich you're looking at Line with Zabanajad in Kreider's absence, so the the emphasis is going to switch towards his wing to keep the ball moving. And then he's going to be on the first power play as well. I know Bucnevich when he was day-to-day, was the first forward out of our top 100 forward rankings. I'm probably going to get him in this week because of the Kreider injury, right? Now
1: he's the first forward in. I mean, if you're yeah. playing on that top power play, I don't care if they're losing games. You're going to get fantasy points from those power play points. So that, that's a no-brainer. Now, swinging ahead here, we have Oms on Twitter, O-M-M-Z-Z-Z. He asked, my playoffs start next week. Okay. Who are some of the best low-owned players to target off the waiver wire based on schedule and games remaining? I have a couple listed here, Pete, but I just wanted to kick it off with a defenseman. It's actually Duncan Keith for the Blackhawks. They do not have a lot of wins left in the tank this season, but great schedule remaining. He's putting up points now, playing the first power play logging about 27, 28 minutes per game, vintage Keith there. So if you need a rare position, low ownership player, good schedule. I like to start it with Duncan Keith.
0: I like that one four games this week for Duncan Keith at the defenseman position. Sign me up. He's, I think he's out there in one or two of my leagues. I got to get on that after Robbie just made the case for him right there. Other waiver wire pickups that I think are making some noise besides Keith, besides Andre Pilat, who we said, uh, Emil Bemstrom from the Mm -hmm. Columbus Blue Jackets was out there on the first power play, scored the go-ahead goal on Sunday. You look at everybody there without right now. Atkinson, Seth Jones, Bjorkstrand, Elvis. I mean, it hasn't been a problem. Uh, It wasn't a problem in that game because they had an epic comeback. And Bemstrom is a guy, four goals in his past five games. So. Uh, That's got someone I would take a little bit more seriously this Monday. I like that because that's a kind of a high upside guy. And and a team that, you know, is
1: hanging around there. They're playing tight games. Even if they're losing, it's usually by just a goal. So I like the Bem Shamat a lot. I think that's where, you know, you you get into those deeper leagues. You see that name you might not really recognize. It doesn't jump out at you. But you're going to get value if you add that player now and ride it out. I mean, Bjorkstrand's out the rest of the regular season. So you're going to get those goals. You're going to get those looks, especially from a young player with upside like that. Armstrong.
0: Another guy who's been piling up goals lately is the guy that Bobby likes, uh, Dennis Gurianov. But I'll give you two other names that are kind of in that un- relatively unknown category. There's uh, Danton Heinen, who I know you think is a good fit with Anaheim. Mm-hmm. And then there's Andrew Mangiapani. Uh, I mean, those are guys virtually unknown to the casual fan. Who do you like more for the rest of the season? Mangiapani from Calgary. Or uh, Danton Dan- Dan- Heinen from the Ducks. I would take a shot with Heinen. I, it just he, he he to me
1: seems like a safer player. Okay. Looks like they stuck him with Adam Henrique, who who's been great for fantasy the past three or four weeks now, Pete. So I like the Heinen ad. I just I just feel a little bit safer about them. We see Calgary this year, however many times they've been shuffling the blender out there. It, it's hard for me to say. Like I know Mangiapane's got that backlit and Kachuk exposure, which is is valuable. But I think. When you look at the two player, the two players just side by side, Heinen versus Mangiapane, Heinen's the better player.
0: Yeah, Heinen showed some flashes in Boston for whatever reason, could never seem to take that next step fantasy wise. But it's kind of like uh, I don't know, similar in some ways to like when Galchenyuk went to the to the Wild. It's just get him out of that spotlight, get him on a team where he can uh, develop some chemistry with some. Unselfish players like Adam Henrique, even though he scores a lot of goals, I would categorize as an unselfish player, mm-hmm. a team-first player that can make the team, the players around him a lot better. Now, I would look at Davey's
1: team here in the Devils. I know he went <laughs> to the – followed them around Cali a little bit. They had a couple good games, Pete, and, and yeah. Nikita Gusev is having a real strong – end of season here that's a player I'd look at too and just say you know forget the plus minus but this guy's going to rack up the points he's on pace for 50 points now very quietly he's got a couple multi-point games in his last few so I'd look at Goose as a guy that hey this could be the difference maker for your fantasy window here
0: the next three or four weeks I mean circle back from when we were talking about this guy in the preseason and then first two months of the season with John Hines Mm -hmm. he was in the doghouse he was playing on the third or fourth line Now he's playing in the top six. Now he's piling up the points. I mean, this is now going on for two months where Gusev has been providing hidden value. So, yeah, I'm with you on that, man. I don't have him in any leagues, but if I'm in a deep league, and remember, put the contending team thing aside after a certain point, and Gusev uh, has a chance to set the tone for the rest of his NHL career with how the second half is unfolding for him.
1: We're recording this on a Monday Right now, he's on a six-game point streak, Pete, with nine nine uh, points. He's actually a plus four, so forget what I said about plus minus there. He's got six power play points. <laughs> six nice. power play points out of nine points total. He's averaging over 15 minutes a game. So there you go right there. You know It's not going to jump off the paper at ya. you. know Someone might give you crap for picking up a player like that at this time of year, but I'm telling you. Those are the players that are going to quietly, quietly, quietly win the championship. It's like Fiala, you know, a month and a half ago. It's like, you know, where's this coming from? And then all of a sudden he just erupts. He stays consistent. The points are racking up. And yeah. he's going to have a great, he's going to, if you look at his season in total, he's going to have a great season because of this two-month finish here.
0: I mean, if you have Fiala, you're uh, on your way to a fantasy championship right now. And Gusev could be another one when you're standing there at the end of the day on the first place. uh Right, the first place block with the trophy in your hands. I mean, it doesn't matter who got you there. Uh, Gusev might be a guy that uh, you push through with him and uh, you leave everybody else uh, kind of shaking their head along the way.
1: Now, what about we talked a little bit about Mikhail Granlin last week, Pete? That's another mm-hmm. guy that's been out there. I saw he played 20 minutes in his most recent game. That's ridiculous for a forward, especially of his caliber. So he obviously went the other way in the Fiala deal. And it looks like Minnesota's kind of quietly kind of winning that trade. But are you seeing appeal here? final stretch for Mikael Granlund, left wing, right wing.
0: Yeah, I, I think he's a I think he's worth adding in deeper leagues. I wouldn't go so far as standard leagues. It's like it always, you know, his multi-goal game or multi-point game is always followed by one or two goose eggs. Mm-hmm. It's just the way that his Nashville career has gone so far. So, I don't have full confidence in Granlund or Nashville for that matter. I mean, the the way the West is going, Minnesota might get in over them. You really never know. So uh, (laughs) maybe that's a little crazy to say and think about, but it's the reality. I mean, Nashville plays well at home, but doesn't always win. So And then on the road, they're completely different teams lately. So, yeah, I I think uh, Granlin I'd take a pass on in a standard league. That's just me.
1: Okay, and what about there's two center-only guys, Philip Deneau and Paul Stasny. Stasny's hovering right around 20% ownership like he has all season. Deneau was dropped frequently Mm -hmm. um, when he missed some games. Now he's back. He's starting to produce again is there any value in adding a center only like even if it is a safe player like Stasny is there still value there
0: yeah I think so and I would always look at uh, a great way to break the tie other than uh, strength of schedule is to look at Rob's team power rankings and where the team security matches up to Mm -hmm. another team if you look at it this past week I know Mark Stone's banged up he's week to week Still, Vegas number two on the list, yep. right behind what Tampa, right ahead of Boston. So you're talking about the elite of the elite, the mm-hmm. cream of the crop. So I would lean toward Vegas every single time. And Paul Stasny is playing not with Pacioretty. He's playing with Riley Smith and Marchessault and Pretty good. doing a fine job there.
1: I like that position, that lineup placement a lot for him. And it, yeah. it's, I mean, this is, let's be honest, this is a good problem for, for the Knights to have, to be able to plug and play these guys with anybody. I mean, now William Carson, while Bill's playing with Patches, I mean, that's an awesome little duo there too, like, which doesn't hurt Patches' value at all. So this stone injury, yeah, if it's long-term, it's not good for their success in general hockey, but fantasy-wise, even now with even like, Alec Martinez on the back and producing with them, like this is not, you're not going to struggle if you own a lot of these Golden Knights.
0: So, yeah, Vegas will not win the Stanley Cup without Mark Stone. I mean, that doesn't even really need to be said. But in terms of plugging the gap, they've also, they have Chandler Stevenson, who's played really well when he's gotten time with Pacioretty this year. And now, after all, he's back with Pacioretty Mm -hmm. on the right wing, I saw. So it's Pacioretty, William Carlson, and Chandler Stevenson in the spot of Mark Stone. So you could even look at Stevenson in a super deep league, try eligible Playing with uh, yeah. you know the top top of the line guys on Vegas.
1: Now, if if you are looking at that that cup prediction, Pete, for them, I mean certainly keep an eye on the Stone injury, keep your eyes glued to that. Yeah, I agree with you. They're not going to win the cup without Stone. The reason you can see this, I mean, just look at their first power play without him. Stasny's on it, which is great for fantasy, but then you look below that, you look at their other forwards, and you're thinking, holy moly. I mean, you know, their third and fourth line just isn't going to make a difference in a playoff series. So, you know, I would probably be looking to hedge that bet if you made it. But fantasy-wise, mm-hmm. Stasny, yeah, center only, but solid
0: pickup. And uh, the way that Shea, I mean, Shea Theodore burned me in this one league yesterday. My playoff hopes are on life support. I got, I actually ended up tying my matchup last week uh, because uh, Shea Theodore scored a goal on Sunday. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on Theodore just moving forward into the playoffs? Just some general talk because Vegas is one of those teams, as good as they are, they don't have a guy that can, like, be a true number one defenseman uh-huh. and play, like, 30-plus minutes and produce offensively. But Theodore is maybe the one guy that still could take that next step forward. He, he is. I mean, he's he's got four points in his past five games. He's
1: averaging uh, quite a few number of shots, at least three per game over that span. So he is ch- he's checking a lot of boxes, Pete, and he's scoring goals now, too, which is kind of almost kind of uncharacteristic of him. But the past two years, I mean, he's in double digits. So it, it's been a nice, like, kind of— You know, when we first saw him enter the league, he looked a lot different than he does now, which is a compliment. Like he's he's turning into this kind of goal scoring threat defenseman that's really getting comfortable on that top power play. We know we we were critical of him for the past two or three years that he just wasn't taking that role and owning it. Mm -hmm. Even though there was no competition, it was almost like a problem. Now that Martinez is in there, now that Schmidt's playing better offensively, I think it's good, healthy competition for Theodore. But, yeah, general talk, Pete, I still do worry about that. Like, all the cup contenders, they always have that big-time number one guy, you know, whether it's Chris Letang, whether it's John Carlson, whether it's Petrangelo, Dowdy. I mean, they always have that. So, you know, is that going to hurt them
0: in the Stanley Cup final if they make it there? Absolutely. Yep, I agree for sure. So looking again at the schedule breakdown for this week, if your fantasy playoffs are kicking off, teams with four games, Anaheim, Chicago, Colorado, Edmonton, Minnesota, Nashville, Pittsburgh, Sharks, and Tampa Bay. Wow. Um, who do you who do you think is going to fill in if Burakovsky is out uh, a few more games? I mean, Rantanen is on IR, so he's not coming back anytime soon, it looks like. The guys who have been there lately, I saw uh, Nachushkin. Mm-hmm. There's also Nemesnikov. Any interest?
1: Well, Nemesnikov is still not playing more than 13 minutes a game, yeah. and even when they're banged up. So that, that, to me, there's really no appeal. If he was playing like 16, 17 minutes, sure, I'd be running over there to pick him up. Because that's probably going to be like Don Squy production or Berkey production when he was, you know, uh-huh. playing those kind of minutes. But I'm not really interested, like in in those secondary names. Nachuschkin, great success, kind of bounce back story, but that's not really bounce back in fantasy. That's bounce back to like the 30 point range, you know, for that type of player. So, Pete, if, if, if I had to be honest, like I'm I'm going to look at other teams. Like if you don't have McKinnon, if you, if you don't have Gabe, and if you don't have Kale McCarr, like I'm just not really loving. That situation in fantasy.
0: One thing uh, is an underrated strategy that I know some people take more seriously than others is look at who your opponent's playing. True. If your opponent in this crucial playoff matchup is play if they have Landeskog or McKinnon, try to get the other guy. Try to m- take a stab at yeah. uh, Nachuskin or something to potentially offset some of the production. Because if they get the points, uh, there's a good chance Nachuskin might get a few of them or, or no Nemesnikov. Doubt. It's a little risky, but it could pay off. No doubt. I actually think that's that's a funny
1: strategy in a way because it's kind of like a shark move. Yeah. Um, oh, but you can throw uh, Fran Su into that mix, too. He's been great, Pete. So, like, general hockey-wise, the Avalanche team, I'm very impressed that they keep responding to these critical injuries over and over again, they find ways to win. So you can't say enough good things there, but fantasy value wise, yeah, like you're, you're not going to get a lot from the Nichushkins or the uh, Nemestikovs.
0: If the Avalanche get healthy at the right time, we know they have a tough road. They're probably playing Dallas in the first round, they're probably playing St. Louis in the second round. Do you have any interest in investing in their Stanley Cup chances? assuming they get healthy at the right time. I think that I still think they're a couple of
1: pieces away. I mean, luckily for them, Tyson Joe stepped up big time over mm-hmm. the past three or four games. That's mm-hmm. a player that was non-existent until recently. Yeah. But I don't think when you, when you come down to the playoffs and you have hard matchups, I don't think those guys are going to put you over the edge. If they matched up in round one against Dallas, I'd be all in on Dallas in six or seven for sure. I mean, Dallas, I, I think as much as they've been quiet this year, it's a good thing for them. Like, they they don't need to blow through the regular season. If they get hot at the right time, Sagan starts scoring a little bit more, which he has been. Like, that's that's a much more of a total threat team to me than Colorado.
0: Yeah, Dallas has been playing playoff hockey all season long, and the teams that are going to run into them in the first round, second round, might have a rude awakening, right? Because not all the teams out there are playing that – uh, solidified playoff style like Dallas does every single night. And if right. Dallas scores three goals on you in the playoffs, 95% chance they win the game.
1: That's it, because they've been playing that way all season long. They've been playing these low-scoring, tight games. Mm-hmm. But and, and I know it's frustrated you and I, because I know you had Segan in a league... And, yeah, it killed me. And I, I mean, was, it, it killed me. And I was like a hints guy. I wanted to get these kind of sleepers thinking that the Dallas secondary scoring was going to erupt this year. It didn't happen. Of course, no surprises there. <laughs> but I think that's a good problem when it comes to playoff hockey. Like, you know how to win these tight games. You can win low-scoring games. Whereas Colorado, I think they hit their real stride a couple times in the season, putting up four or five goals a game. But with these injuries, it's just not going to be able to be long-term
0: success. Yeah, and they kind of put up their best stretches kind of in this – uh, low-pressure, under-the-radar stretches. I mean, these are not high-stakes. I mean, to me, the high-stakes games for them were like when they played the Washington Capitals right yeah. before the stadium series and then the stadium series, and they came up they came out flat in both of those games. They didn't get a point in either. So I still do worry about the big games for the Avalanche uh, against those elite championship-caliber teams. But back to the fantasy playoffs – how, at what point do you look at games remaining and throw it out the window and just take the better player? Because we got a couple of good fan questions. One, to me, people were looking at Chicago, who's out of the playoff uh-huh. picture, and this guy is thinking about starting Kubelik and Dabrinkit over Barkov and Huberdeau. Um, because Chicago has four games this week and Florida only has two. Uh, to me, I wouldn't overthink that one. you got to play your elite players, right?
1: Now, if you're if you're debating like a Danton Heinen versus a Gurionov, like I'll mm-hmm. look at games played, but when you have two superstars, I don't care if they are only playing two games, I'm always rostering those guys because it, one game of production from those high-level players is, might be worth more than four games of a Kubelik League. Or whoever else you mentioned. Like that that's where right. I draw the line. Now, if we're splitting hairs here, yeah, you know, look at the waiver wire guys. Always by schedule. But the superstars, you got it. You always have to start them. I don't care how bad Florida's look lately. Like you cannot sit those guys.
0: Yeah, I mean, if in the off chance that even even one out of the two games this week that they both erupt for three or four points, and then the fact that you built your roster around these two players, if you have Barkov and Huberto, chances are they were your two of your first four or five picks in your draft. So think back to the beginning of the season, trust your instincts from back then and don't overthink these things. Yeah, it's a good tiebreaker, but play your best players when it matters. Even if say Ben Bishop has a tough matchup yeah. in your playoff week, don't bench him. I mean, he got you to this point. Now, is that is that
1: your is that going to be consistent logic through the end of the season or is this posturing for round 1 or 2 of the playoffs? Like where do you like because I know if you do make the championship week, that final week or two weeks of games, depending on your league settings, like that's when I would maybe, Pete, like play the four games. I know Davey did it two years ago. I think he picked up like Colton Skivor from the Panthers when he was mm-hmm. there because he had like four games in the championship week because they had like a makeup game or something. So So maybe in that situation, if you're really trying to win one week and you're down to the wire, you have a couple injuries, maybe I'd consider it, but. Otherwise, I just I think that the long-term strategy really is to just always play the superstars.
0: I think the deeper you get, you feel like a lot of the time it's house money, and you can afford to lean toward like a guy that's just getting hot towards the end of the season over a proven mm-hmm. guy. But yeah, I think uh, beginning of the playoffs. This is like where you take the big picture into account and then you you cross that bridge when you get there a little later. And truthfully, I mean, at the end of the day, like your roster has to be already set up pretty
1: well. I mean, for you to advance in the fantasy playoffs, like you're not going to win round one with, you know, five or six waiver wire guys like Hein and chugging along. Right. It'd be great to see that. (laughs) But but you should be at this point. You should feel pretty good about your roster with maybe like one or two tweaks just pending on injuries you know, over the final couple weeks here.
0: Yeah, for sure. And also, like, the timing of the games is really important. Like, even if a team only has three games this week, but they might play a weekend back-to-back, like, those are the games you need. Yeah. Last night, I was scoreboard watching in one of my leagues, and it was all because I had... I had a guy going, Kopitar, who's been amazing for my team uh, through all the bad times for L.A. this year. He was going in the 10-30 Eastern game against Vegas, and my mm-hmm. opponent had Shea Theodore. Wow. He had Shea Theodore score a goal. I had Kopitar, Kopitar score two, but that's the fun of it. And then I jotted down for all the listeners here, uh, the teams with back-to-backs this weekend, uh-huh. Carolina, Columbus, Minnesota, Pittsburgh, San Jose, and Tampa Bay. So, like, okay. if you have a Fiala, a Staloc, those guys are going to play uh-huh. this weekend. Big games, Columbus, Bemstrom, you know, some of these other fill-ins from that roster, yeah. Pierre-Luc Dubois. These are guys uh, that are going to be playing two games this weekend, Saturday, Sunday, back-to-backs. That, I love that strategy. That's a good one, Pete, because you're right. I mean, you, that can that can make up all the difference for you right there. Even if you
1: had a slow Monday through Friday, but then you get that Saturday-Sunday
0: push, that could do it. And Trocheck too. We've talked a lot about Trocheck here. Uh, the period in between if your league counts hits if it counts block shots and then maybe he drops a multi-point game over the weekend mm-hmm. Carolina also a team uh with you know among the most games remaining including a back-to-back this weekend it's true
1: and, and I'm, I'm looking at our waiver wireless here again Pete just to throw out some more names uh-huh. but I mean it's it's kind of you know, it's it's drying up a little bit at every position. Forward-wise, has been absolutely the most deep this year. We've got a guy like Joel Kelman on the list from San Jose who's on a three-game point streak. It's interesting to see him playing around 15 minutes per game. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're in a real deep league, like, these are the type of players you're, you're you're looking at. But, you know, where I have to come in and caution everybody is you cannot part ways... With a good you know top 100 season a day player, just because he's cold lately, like you cannot be moving that type of player for one of these like waiver wire cuff guys
0: yeah, I agree with that don't uh, don't go too crazy picking up a no name just because he has four straight games with a point or something like that. Go with the trusted guys, guys we've been talking about all season, like Gurionov. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, even Bemstrom, we've mentioned a number of times. Robert Thomas is a big one. I saw Robert Thomas has new line mates. He's playing second-line center um, with Zach Sanford and David Perron, and then they're stacking their first line these days. Jaden Schwartz, Ryan O'Reilly, and Braden Shen. So uh, Robert Thomas clearly, like the Blues – are working around him he's a big mm-hmm. part of their present and i'm curious to see if he sticks in the top six even into the playoffs when tarasenko comes back that could happen
1: yeah. no that could be a major one and thomas like they they like to play him a lot too the only thing with garyanov is is he's, he's playing like 11 minutes a game uh-huh. and he's he has 20 goals he has 20 <laughs> goals in 60 games and that probably leads them right it right? might it might be right up there so i'm just like not that I'm questioning the coach's decision or anything, but I'm just kind of struggling to see how, especially a team like Dallas that needs more scoring, you don't give the guy a little bit higher ice time. I know that's from a fantasy lens because I want to see him produce even more, but that's like where it's like, okay, is Robert Thomas a more valuable player because he's playing more?
0: Yeah, I think Robert Thomas is more valuable than Guriano for the rest of the season to break that tie. A uh-huh. um, couple other fan questions before we wrap this thing up. Um, this was an interesting one from Matt on Twitter. Eberly or Zucker? I know the Islanders' top line was playing a little bit better. What, Lee, Barzell, and Eberly. Mm. Eberly's shown a pulse lately, but I would still lean towards Zucker even during the Penguins' tailspin. What do you think?
1: I think so, too, just with the caveat that, you know, Hornquist is the player that you wanted to get in on. Um, Rusty's the guy that you wanted to get in earlier in the season. Like, mm-hmm. those are the guys I feel strong about Zucker, I know he had two goals against Anaheim, but he's been a minus, I think, like seven or eight since he's got to Pittsburgh. Oh, wow. And that, to me, like, I know it's it's a bad stat, sure, but sometimes that means that the line's not really working out too well. So yeah. I, I'm a little worried that Sully, especially after the losing streak, might tweak something there. It might be a little shot at GMJR if that does happen, but they have butt heads before, so you know look for zucker maybe to bump down to the third line if this losing streak continues and
0: like with many other players before zucker you assume it could be a good fit but it's hard to play with Sidney crosby no knock on him it's just the way he plays like some some guys are a great fit some guys are not i mean connor Sheary was playing back up there instantaneously after they got him back and as much as like zucker is a bigger name Mm -hmm. former 30 goal scorer like Sheary might be the guy that sticks there for the rest of the <laughs> season, for better or worse. Yeah. So you know, to approach Sheary on the waiver wire with your uh, with caution, uh-huh. but uh, with knowledge that he has the staying power on that line. I think. And Eberly, you know, he has he has had a couple good games, and he's
1: playing high ice time. Like I know the Islanders aren't aren't heavy scoring wise, but. I feel safer about ebbs. I really do. Uh Like, if Trotz likes this player, and whatever player Trotz likes, he's going to play north of 16 minutes. So I would sign up for Everly just to be guaranteed – a good plus-minus, and a couple points over the remaining couple of games. I really would. I, if if Eberly was available in my league, I'd, I'd strongly considering making that switch, honestly, between Zucker and him.
0: And Eberly last year in March really it reignited when he was back on the line with Barzell, and then in the playoffs was a real big yeah. difference maker with his power play points, with an even strength role. Uh, with New York, who's always starved for offense, but Everly, like when their offense gets going, when Everly gets going, I feel like.
1: To- that we've seen that before for sure, Pete. And, and I know the Islanders are, are you know, clawing onto the playoff spot they hold, but mm-hmm. there's no one else behind them breathing down their neck. So no matter how bad they've been playing for the past two months now, it doesn't really matter. Like they, they're probably going to make it. Based on that alone, if there were player if there were teams behind them that were healthy, playing really well, I'd be worried. But there's really not. Florida sold at the deadline. The Rangers are too banged up now. Um, Carolina is a pretty average team without Dougie Hamilton and, and some of the other guys. So I think the Islanders are safe.
0: Even Columbus is like just totally. You don't know what to expect any given night. You, you loved what you saw from them on Sunday, but you didn't like what you saw from them the previous game. The Islanders are a little bit more consistently competitive mm-hmm. right even the games they've been losing lately have been, i mean other than the boston game they went to overtime with with uh the rangers overtime with the blues yep. they're they're so competitive and they have trots to thank for that so mm-hmm. yeah that's just something to keep in mind there and then um looking at some of these other things i mean like would you cut the cord like this one guy's asking mm-hmm. should i play fiala over Olafsson this week yes at a certain point like One team is really down in the dumps, and the guy's injured, so you have to use that as a simple tiebreaker, right, Olofsson?
1: Absolutely no-brainer for me. I mean, Fiala's multi-points every single night, Mm -hmm. no matter who the opponent is, great opponent, bad opponent, he's scoring every game pretty much. That's, to me, now a no-brainer, especially with Olafson being a little injury, kind of murky situation here.
0: All right. So we're going to have our new rankings coming out on NHL.com slash fantasy. We'll have on Tuesday, my forward rankings, Robbie's defenseman rankings on Wednesday. Yep. And then the goalie rankings, which we all work on. We'll have a Davey boy goalie master back in the office from LA and check out those rankings and hit us up on Twitter. We'll have another show for you. What, later in the week, Yeah, I think? I think
1: we're looking at Friday, potentially. So if we don't get to another show before then, you know, feel free to hit us up with any questions. We'll help break those ties for you. And, hey, good luck. I mean, this is crunch time, so... You got to wake up and get these players now. And even I'll just say this to, to end it here, Pete. Even if the player you picked up, you know, goes a game or two games without a point or a win, if they're a goalie, I, I still think you got to hold on because the waiver wire right now is just too thin. You cannot risk dropping a player that'll end up making the difference for you, even if
0: they get off to a slow start on your fantasy team. And don't be too like trigger happy earlier in the week and not looking at the games played and stuff, because the worst thing is like when you pick somebody up and then realize that they're not playing at all this Mm -hmm. weekend or, you know, make the ad now with guys that are playing this weekend and have three or four games this week and you won't be disappointed and just, you know, this way you leave your last ad, your precious last ads, Uh, for an injury replacement. If one of your best players gets injured on Thursday or Friday, then you have some flexibility. If you spend your three or four waiver wire ads now, then you're going to be out of luck if somebody gets injured.
1: Oh, and check out the, the start feature on yahoo if you do the start for the week it's like a nice way for people like us who are in too many leagues pete to like set your lineup but also make sure you have the correct goalie starting because there are some some wonky ones also make sure you have a guy like nathan mckinnon playing over bo horvat stuff like that (laughs) just make sure cherry pick it ahead of time make sure your schedules are good to go in case you forget one day too
0: and also check back if you do that auto set and then you make a move sometimes it doesn't um it it like kind of resets yeah so yeah use the auto setting thing but then check your roster after you do that especially if you're wheeling and dealing on the waiver wire this week
1: no doubt no doubt and that'll do it for us but leave us a review five stars on apple whatever platform you give it and uh, we appreciate the few that have come in last week. We've heard a couple of people have uh, made the difference this year
0: for our fantasy advice, so yeah, we appreciate that. It's great to hear when people say they're in the top half of their leagues or in first place entering the playoffs. That's what we hope to do, and uh, we'll continue you on the path to your fantasy championship. So for Rob Reese at NHL NHLReese on Twitter and Instagram, myself NHL Jensen on the same two platforms hit us up don't hesitate we'll help you win your league and we'll talk to you again later in the week thanks for listening to NHL Fantasy on Ice